Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. President Joe Biden is trying to build out a national network of reliable electric vehicle chargers so that EV owners can travel long distances without hitting charging deserts. But there's a couple challenges standing in the way of his ambitious goals. First, the Biden administration only has a fraction of the funds it needs based on its own estimates. Biden has about $7.5 billion on hand from 2021's bipartisan infrastructure law, but that may be as little as a tenth of what's required. And more broadly, Biden must deal with supply chain constraints, pushback from GOP-led states, and an evolving private sector. So today, Politico's James Baikalis breaks down the Biden administration's ambitious strategy on EV charging and the challenges. It's Friday, July 7th. President Biden has around $7.5 billion for EV charging infrastructure, and he's really trying to do a lot with that funding. The problem he's facing is that even by his own administration's estimates, the $7.5 billion could be as little as a tenth of what's actually required to build out EV charging infrastructure to meet the demand that's expected in the future. What the administration is really trying to do, they've created a strategy where they you know, use the limited resources that they have to build chargers in places where it might not be economically feasible for a private company or a state to place an EV charger. And then they're sort of marshalling states and those private sector companies to fill in the rest of the charging network. They're pushing them to build reliable chargers and with a consistent user interface, even beyond the chargers that are directly funded by those federal dollars. Gotcha. And you sifted through Energy Department data to kind of locate some of the gaps in the nation's charging network and and seeing where we're seeing chargers built. So what did you find and what's the administration's strategy for filling holes where they exist? Right. So one of the biggest concerns that drivers have indicated in surveys and polling that they have about buying an EV is these long distance road trips where they are used to being able to fill up their car at the gas station, but there might not be a reliable charger for long distances on these rural highways. You know, we looked at this data and there are pretty massive gaps in certain places in the U.S. For example, there's a gap between Billings, Montana and Fargo, North Dakota, if you're traveling on Interstate 94. And you could drive 600 miles and you wouldn't be able to come across an EV charger that meets sort of the federal standards for, you know, reliably performing EV charger. So that's, you know, obviously a big concern for drivers if they want to take any kind of road trip. And so I talked to Gabe Klein about this. He's the executive director of the Joint Office of Energy and Transportation, which is sort of a new federal agency that works across the Department of Energy and Department of Transportation on this EV charging infrastructure. And he told me that, you know, really the administration is targeting these 
biggest glaring holes in the charging network. And then they're working to be a catalyst to get the private sector to join them in this effort to build chargers in other places. Right. And how do states play a role in kind of filling these gaps? And what are the potential limitations of leaning on states given their priorities might differ from the federal government? Right. So this EV charging issue is a pretty good example of the the pros and cons of federalism here. <laughs> Based on the way that the law was written for this EV charging funding, the federal government doles out the money to states for most of this EV charging funding. And then states are actually in charge of contracting with companies and getting those chargers built and in operation. So there can be some tension here when the federal government and states disagree on, for example, where to place these chargers. So, you know, as I mentioned, the federal government is really focused on building chargers in these places where there are big gaps in the network. And that's often rural areas, areas with very sparse population. And so some states, especially Very rural ones like Wyoming have been pushing back on that mandate because they feel like they're being forced to build chargers that won't be economically viable. You know, the spokesperson for the Wyoming Department of Transportation told me that they feel the federal government is asking them to build chargers where the only thing that's around is sagebrush and antelope. So that's sort of an example of where this tension is coming up when states and the federal government are having to work together to build out this EV charging. Interesting. And you mentioned that a key focus of the administration is promoting consistency in EV charging across the country. So what do you mean by that? And how does that focus also extend to the hardware, software, and performance of the chargers themselves? Right. So Gabe Klein from the joint office told me that The federal government is really prioritizing creating what he said is a backbone with a consistent connection, which basically means that the the Biden administration has set some pretty stringent standards for the performance and sort of the, the software and the hardware of these chargers. So, for example, they've mandated that the chargers must be working 97% of the time when drivers pull up to them. And that would be a big boost from the current system where a lot of chargers are are pretty unreliable. So they've set out these standards that the private sector companies who are using these funds are going to have to meet when they build them. And there's some concern in the EV industry that that could potentially slow down the deployment of these chargers because of supply chain constraints and companies having to shift their manufacturing to meet both the performance standards and also standards for domestically sourcing the materials. The federal government is really trying to balance, you know, setting out these standards to be able to provide a consistent network for drivers while also recognizing that EVs are coming and that they need to get these chargers out on the road pretty quickly. Also, major truck manufacturers have committed to California's shift to zero-emission vehicles, even if those rules face legal blowback, bolstering a critical climate program. 
The trucking industry will abide by California's newly enacted clean fleet regulations despite an ongoing court challenge. Based on a pact between the California Air Resources Board, the Truck and Engine Manufacturers Association, and individual companies. In exchange, the companies will get a longer runway for new restrictions. The agreement also aligns California's standards on nitrogen oxide emissions from trucks with US EPAs starting in 2027. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Norma Malichael is the podcast producer. Alex Keeney and Annie Reese edited the podcast this week. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy-duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.